Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. Welcome to the latest edition of our podcast. Uh, in this edition, I'm sharing a few different articles on the obligation. As Masons, we know how important the obligation is. And uh, in my research, I found a few different articles which I think uh, bring some interesting light to it and different points of view. So listen in, enjoy, and be sure to comment and let us know what you think. And of course, as always, hey, if you like it, please share and write us a review on Apple Podcast. Thanks a lot. The following article is from the September 2000 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. What Makes an Obligation? by Harold R. Avelson, 33rd Degree. Obligations of an esoteric or religious belief are more difficult to assume and keep than secular obligations. I most solemnly promise and swear is a phrase Freemasons learn early in their rituals. As a brother journeys in his quest through many degrees, he again repeats the required pledge, often with the declaration, So help me God. A thesaurus contains many words used as synonyms for obligation. Several familiar to members of the craft include to promise, swear, vow, pledge, take an oath. Other words listed in a thesaurus may not always be used in Masonic work, but they have similar connotations. Covenant, contract, betroth, commit, warrant, assure, guarantee. In our current social practices and often in ideological beliefs, much of the meaning of these words has been compromised, altered, or just plain ignored. Marriage vows, contract clauses, courtroom oaths, pledges of allegiance, words of honor often are adjusted or redefined to fit particular situations, yet some obligations are kept. Which ones and why so? Perhaps those of a secular nature are taken more seriously than those of an esoteric or religious meaning. This may be for practical reasons, because of the penalty or consequence associated with breaking the secular obligation. We pay debts on time, partly because we have many liens or mortgages attached. In many cultures, marital fidelity is primarily honored because of the stigma that follows the adulterer. Marriages stay intact solely because of the monetary disaster a breakup may bring. The law of the land is, in many ways, an obligation its citizens assume, often in preference to speeding fines or a jail term. More difficult to assume and perhaps to keep are obligations of an esoteric or religious belief. It is not always considered a crime against society when our misdeeds or failings occur in this area of personal commitment. Rather, such obligations are seen as private matters. Perhaps the real reason promises in this realm are more easily broken is the lack of real consequence or penalty, except to the conscience of the person breaking the obligation. Whether symbolic or otherwise, penalties should remind us of the seriousness of an obligation. To a mason, binding myself should mean exactly that, a strong constraint on personal behavior. In effect, we're saying, I will put reins on myself to guide my actions. That is a promise to oneself. Then we, as Masons add, so help me God and keep me steadfast. That should be the seal of sincerity. When Freemasons begin their fraternal journey, 
They profess their individual belief in a god, the grand architect of the universe. That is why vows are so often invoked in God's name. It is also why we should take such vows seriously. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. So mote it be. The following article is from the website freemasoninformation.com. And in doing a little bit of research for this podcast, um, I'm going to share a few different articles which I thought are pretty interesting to give various points of view on the oath or the obligation. So this article is titled Oath or Obligation. Few words are more wrongly used, at least in Masonic circles, than oath. A candidate takes it upon himself a solemn obligation to do certain things and to refrain from certain actions. The word obligation is from the Latin of, to, and ligare, to bind. It is a tie, a bond, an agreement, a profession of intention, a responsibility, a duty agreed upon, a constraint of action, a pledge, an acknowledgement of promises made. In no such definitions can be found any similarity to the meaning of the word oath, which is the concluding phrase by which the assumer of the obligation calls upon that which he holds sacred to witness his vow. In a court of law, the witness swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That is an assumed obligation. He ends, so help me God, which is the oath, attesting to the sincerity of his obligation. In taking both obligation and attesting it by the oath, the witness is required to raise his right hand, a curious throwback to ancient days in which a man offered his right hand to be cut off if his oath was broken. Still, more an oddity is the small boy's attestation by golly made without knowing that he is offering the ancient gall hand if he does not tell the truth. The Masonic obligations are high-minded duties voluntarily assumed by candidates as their part in becoming brethren of the ancient craft. The oath that they take is their attestation of the validity of the covenants they thus make. To speak of the whole as a Masonic oath is to name the whole for a minor part. The following article is from themasonictrowel.com and is titled, My Obligation as a Freemason, by Very Worshipful Brother, Dr. V. V. Chetty. The essay which won Most Worshipful the Grand Master's Trophy in the Grand Lodge Masonic Essay Competition, 1983, and its replica was presented to the author by Most Worshipful the Grand Master at the Grand Festival Communication held in Calcutta on the 7th of January, 1984. Article was published in The Square and Compasses, Grand Lodge of India, Volume 4, Number 10, February 1984. Obligation is a binding agreement, moral, legal, and even spiritual, between two entities. It can also be looked upon as one's bounden duty, a solemn pledge, a serious promise, an oath, an act imposed by the relations of society something one is bound to do as by law or conscience. In Freemasonry, this bond is symbolized by the cable toe, which has two ends, one representing the individual Freemasonry and the other the fraternity as a whole.
The body of the cable toe itself is the force binding together both the entities. It is the obligation of the fraternity to teach the brother the tenets and principles of the order and that of the brother to learn, assimilate, and actually weave them into the very web of his life. In public life, we see many top-ranking men occupying high offices like that of the president, the governors, ministers of the center in the states, the judges of the supreme and high courts, etc. They are all administered an oath of secrecy and an oath of office before assuming the duties and responsibilities annexed to their appointments. It is a solemn and binding duty and a sacred undertaking. It is by the undertaking of duty that one can advance and make progress, and when once one assumes that duty, it becomes part and parcel of one's mundane and spiritual life. In all the degrees of Freemasonry, there is an obligation principally concerning secrecy. However, in the third degree of craft masonry, besides secrecy, the obligation makes a pointed reference to maintaining and upholding the FPOF in act as well as in word. Secrecy concerns the form, the details of the ceremonial, the manner of teaching, and certain modes of recognition which will enable us to distinguish a genuine brother from a base impostor. In the obligation of the first degree, there is a short Anglo-Saxon word which means to bury or cover up. It connotes that away in the great storehouse of memory, far out of reach of profane, the brother will hide away all the affairs of the lodge, particularly those which are derogatory to its dignity. In a deeper sense, secrecy refers to spiritual and philosophical truths which can only be experienced but cannot be expressed. Unless one has a prepared mind and one cannot imbibe such truths, why throw pearls before a swine? The idea of an obligation of secrecy existed from time immemorial in many ancient rites and initiations. In the ancient mysteries or secret schools of Egypt and Greece, the obligation of secrecy pertained to the inspired new philosophy of the unity of the Godhead, monotheism, and the immortality of the soul, a philosophy quite antagonistic to the beliefs of the common man of that age in the concept of polytheism without any idea of a soul or its immortality. It is interesting to note that while we take the obligation on the volume of sacred law and seal it with our lips, the initiates among the Goths took theirs upon a naked sword and sealed it by drinking mead, a mixture of water and honey fermented and flavored, out of a human skull. In Scotland, the candidate for initiation into the medieval guilds took his obligation by taking off a slipper and handing it over to the worshipful master. The candidate or the brother has to take the obligation in front of the altar, facing the worshipful master, and assuming a particular posture, depending on the degree. He should place his hand or hands on the volume of sacred law of his own religious faith that he may deem it more solemn and binding on his conscience. The obligation has to be taken out of free will and accord. Free will is an essential part of our nature, and we must see that it is preserved in the candidate if he were to use his powers unfettered in the fulfillment of his Masonic duties. The certainty of the obligation involves the corresponding certainty of free will. Although the ceremony of obligation immediately concerns the candidate, it should be clearly understood by all others that they too take the obligation along with the candidate inwardly so as to remind themselves of it once again. 
The serenity, sublimity, and solemnity of the occasion demands an absolute and perfect silence on the part of all other brethren assembled in the temple. They stand to order with military precision, but not at ease. There is another facet of Masonic obligation, that pertaining to more forceful the Grand Master and his two immediate subordinate officers, right worshipful the regional Grand Master, immediate subordinates the deputy regional Grand Master, and the assistant regional Grand Masters. They take an obligation with regard to the duties and responsibilities appertinent to their respective offices. At the level of the daughter lodges, however, there is a variation. The ancient charges and regulations are read out to the master-elect at his installation and he is obliged to signify his unqualified assent to all of them. The master-elect takes both. The worshipful master, while investing his officers, enumerates their duties. Although they do not actually take any manner of obligation, it is understood that they are bound to perform their tasks faithfully and conscientiously. Our obligation alludes to two other excellences of character named fidelity and obedience. Fidelity to the Constitution and ancient landmarks, and to the laws and regulations of the Order. No wonder every time we close the Lodge, either in the craft or the higher degrees, we remind ourselves of the obligation to lock up our secrets in the safe and sacred repository of our hearts, uniting in the act. Word and gesture in our ritual is meaningful. It is important to study the ritual with some depth of understanding, to see if we can perceive in the various words that are used, the gestures and the ceremonies that are performed, and even deeper significance. It seems to me that this is what may be meant when we obligate ourselves to make a daily advancement in Masonic knowledge. If we become aware at every moment of what it is we are doing, then we begin to see even outside the Lodge the practical application of the lessons which we learn within the Lodge. We have yet another aspect of Masonic obligation, the moral aspect. Morality has its axioms like the other science, and these axioms are justly termed moral truths. They are as certain as mathematical truths. Given the idea of entrusting some money to a friend for safe custody, the idea to keep it faithfully is attached to it even as to the idea of a triangle. The idea that its three angles make two right angles is attached. The friend may swallow the money, but it cannot be construed that he has changed the true nature of morality or dharma. Thus it is that a moral truth is so supreme because like all truths, it is what it is and does not alter its values to please any caprice. Always the same and always present, it condemns the guilty will which pretends to deny its existence. To the necessity of believing the truth, the necessity of practicing it is added. The practice of the moral truth is obligation. There are degrees of importance among different obligations, but there are no degrees in the obligation itself. One is not nearly obligated or almost obligated, but wholly so or not at all. Moral truth, Sanathana Dharma, is absolute, immutable, and universal. The highest and most sacred facet of Masonic obligation is, however, its spiritual aspect that of treading the path of truth, the path of light, or the path of knowledge, by one acquisition of moral truth in the first degree, acquisition of intellectual truth in the second degree, 
reflection on the most interesting of all human studies, the knowledge of yourself in the third degree, and introspection, digging and descending into one's own self, and acquisition of divine knowledge and coming face to face with the Godhead and becoming a God-man. This is the course of action a true Freemason is bound to take by the force of his conscience. Broadly speaking, all the above are expressed or overt obligations as indicated in the rituals at the various degrees in Freemasonry. Assume an expressed obligation, we also take in a host of implied obligations. The word implied derives its importance and significance from the legal doctrine of implied powers. They form a separate but no less important a place and are evolved from our expressed obligations. Their number is vast, but limited by the reflections of the brother enumerating them. To begin with, a man, upon becoming a mason, should think and act masonically. He must remember that he has faith in God, that he owes his allegiance to his country, that he must master himself by learning to control his anger, his strengths, and his weaknesses. Such thoughts should motivate him to lead a clean and virtuous life, making the tenets and principles of Freemasonry the guiding factors in all his transactions with the outer world. A second implied obligation is attendance. Attendance at Masonic meetings is more than a privilege. It is an implied obligation of membership. One of the ancient charges regarding attendance is specifically printed on the summonses issued by all lodges. If one voluntarily assumes the opportunities of fellowship, one is literally obligated by implication to share one's personal charm, wisdom, and presence with one's brethren. As attendance, he converts his presence into action and social interaction. Action on his part must become an integral phase of his attendance, lest those virtues be perverted into apathy and absence. Masonry provides many opportunities to its members for reflective considerations. The moral and spiritual symbolism of our rituals is unparalleled and patiently awaits our study. Through such reflection will come self-discipline, discipline in attire, punctuality, prompt payment of dues, behavior in the temple and the anteroom, observance of proper etiquette in all Masonic duties, sobriety at the festive board, and temperance in speech, etc., the panorama of symbolism is so inviting that once a brother opens the door to this wonderful aspect of Freemasonry, he is incredibly intrigued and becomes a compulsive student. Unfortunately, many of us regard obligation as a duty, a dreaded drudgery, a burden which soon becomes oppressive, but we should regard the word as synonymous with opportunity. Having assumed an obligation, expressed or implied, you should consider it a challenge, an invitation, literally an opportunity which might have escaped you, but which now has assumed the importance which demands recognition in terms of specific achievement. The opportunity should be a reminder to help those less fortunate than yourself, to correct some faults in yourself which irritate others, or to improve yourself by broadening your horizon through study and self-improvement. Obligations and opportunities come in many varied forms. For the benefit of your family and loved ones, you owe them an obligation of keeping yourself mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually fit, clean, and healthy. 
For the benefit of your lodge, you owe some measure of overt support in all its purposeful and laudable activities. And for the benefit of masonry, you have the obligation and opportunity to create a favorable image in order that the world may know that upon becoming a mason, you have become a better man. The ancient and Arabic order of the nobles of the mystic shrine, an organization which has grown out of masonry, though not strictly and directly related to it ritualistically, are the first to admit that true nobility of character can and should be developed by us, the Blue Lodge Masons. They believe that all Masons who have reached a measure of nobility are entitled to join their order. Integrity for us is a close relative of nobility virtue which comes from an honest pursuit of idealism through a determined program of improvement. In other words, if we set for ourselves an objective which is idealistic and which we strive for by improving ourselves every day in every way, we are bound to develop that outstanding trait of impeccable integrity. I have heard some men, upon applying for membership in our order, admit that they were impressed by the integrity of some of their friends and business associates who happen to be Masons. Obviously, this bespeaks the value of our lessons so beautifully expressed in our ritual. As such, integrity ought to rank high in the list of implied obligations. The Masonic lapel button worn on the coat collar is neither a decoration nor an exhibit. It carries with it a most profound obligation. Every Freemason has a dual role in life. He is an individual and a Mason of the button carries with it those qualities of honor, integrity, and stability of moral and spiritual character the fraternity expects of him in all his dealing with the community around him and the outer world. Another implied obligation is participation. We owe it to ourselves to take active part in any organization we join. There is nothing more deadening, more personally demolishing than sitting idly on the sidelines watching others doing the work of the organization. This is true whether that organization is our lodge or a social service club. Let us not cheat ourselves out of a pleasant and highly rewarding experience of participation. Responsibility is still another implied obligation. We, as true Masons, should exercise sound and acceptable judgment in all our actions and should be willing to be held accountable for all such actions. This obligation imposes a very weighty load upon all of us because it should impress us with the fact that we reflect masonry to the public. If we are responsible citizens, responsible workers, and responsible elements in our communities, we cannot help but raise the standards of Freemasonry wherever we are. Two more obligations, which as good citizens we should be at the forefront to assume, are initiative and involvement. In these days, when the common man is silent and apathetic on such issues, we as good men must provide that nucleus of community leadership, that example of good citizenship which will compel us to exercise our initiative in those projects and activities which contribute to the improvement of our homes, our communities, and our country. Some may ask, how do we do this? The answer to this question is by the recognition of yet another implied obligation, dedication. Dedication to the principles and tenets of our great world order, dedication to high standards which our senior brethren have set for us as noble legacies. It is such dedication that brings us together now in our earnest and sincere efforts to lead people from darkness to light. 
It is also our abounding obligation to motivate others less interested to rededicate themselves to the glorious fraternity and act upon its basic tenets and lessons. A very important implied obligation in any organization is that of expansion. No organization can exist without the infusion of new blood, which permeates and overcomes a static institution. It is our bounden duty to expound the virtues of our Masonic fraternity. In a stirring and inspiring speech before Grand Lodge, most forceful the Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of California once proclaimed, If Freemasonry is good, let us talk about it. We need not be obnoxiously aggressive about it, but let us be sincere, earnest, and informative. Let those outstanding men in our community, in public and private offices, and business houses, and men in many professions know that this is not invitational, but selective. The last and most important implied obligation is Masonic pride. If you spell the second word slowly and carefully, you will recognize that the letter I is in the middle of that word. Translate that letter into the pronoun, first person singular. You will recognize the most important person in this whole concept of implied obligations. Speak earnestly, sincerely, persuasively, and forcefully to that person because he is the most important person, the strongest link in our fraternal chain. Please develop Masonic pride now and let that pride guide your every act. If you are truly proud of your masonry and you demonstrate your pride by your conduct in life, then it must follow as day follows the night. Masonry will be proud of you. The Great Work of Masonry nothing less than a concerted effort to carry out the duty that is laid upon us as those who strive for the possession of the light to spread that light abroad throughout the world and actually become fellow laborers with the great architect of the universe in his great plan for the evolution of mankind. So to earnestly endeavor to accomplish this great task is at the highest level, my obligation as a Freemason. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.